0: Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience presented by DraftKings 2021 fantasy football running back rankings tiered for half point PPR if you out there want to get into a draw for some cash giveaways easy stuff hit the description you will find a link to review the fantasy football picks and bet show on Mayo Media Network on Apple podcast. You do that. You subscribe to the show, rate it five stars, something you enjoy, Twitter handle and email. Boom. You're in a cash giveaway. I'll be doing that sometime in early August, probably the second week of August. So the more reviews we get, the more money that's going into that pool. It's up to 500 bucks right now. A few more is all we need to bump that up to a thousand dollars of cash giveaway. So please, it'll take you 24 seconds to do this. You might win a hundred bucks or 200 bucks, depending on how the draws go. So you might as well do that. Remember to smash the like button to the video. Give me your biggest bust at the running back position this season in the comment section, subscribe to Mayo media network. And I do want to let you know that run the Sims.com is still running its free trial right now until the end of July. So you can go check out the site, For free right now and see if it's something you want. And if it is, you can get in on the Founders membership before August 1st. You buy a package to the site, you get that rate for life. You go to runthesims.com slash mayo, you get an even bigger discount off of that. So I highly suggest you do that. All of the daily fantasy tools, including an optimizer and game simulations, sports betting tools. And if you're here for season long fantasy football full projections best ball projections best ball rankings and a head-to-head matchup tool for every season or every week of the season plus the advanced stats Hub which will be free on the site all season long so run the sims.com mail if there's ever a time to get a great deal this would be that time Jake Sewey from theathletic.com is on the line with me. I had Levitan on yesterday's show, and we were going through some Saquon Barkley stuff, some Michael Thomas stuff. But, Jake, today I want to hammer out these running back rankings. We did the top 150, so obviously this is an amendment to those at the running back positions. But I want to be able to break these guys up into tiers now to see where I really want to take them.
1: Uh, that usually makes sense because we talk about this every single year is that there's you know, the tiers are the more important way to look at things when you're drafting because not only do you not want to be the first person, as you know, like jumping into the next tier, but it just depends on where you're going on the board of understanding the value of like, well, do I just go wide receiver here? Or as you talk about every single season about the tiers at tight end when you bring in Kelsey to the conversation, well, is it worth taking Kelsey at the end of the first round because you know the tiers of running backs that are there should be there in the second round. So that's definitely always been – the more advisable way to draft every single year is to use tiers. You're not using tiers. You're, you're kind of just eliminating
0: a value piece to add to any of your drafts. So let's start at the very top. Running back number one, no surprise, in half-point PPR, I have Christian McCaffrey. That is followed by Dalvin Cook, Derrick Henry, Ezekiel Elliott, and Elvin Kamara. So I want to start with Elvin Kamara as a part of this discussion because I went over to run the sims.com and check out the new season long projection for him with Michael Thomas, probably going to miss at least six weeks, probably even more at this point that should I bump him up even more? Like, is this a boost for Alvin Kamara? Cause like, how much more can he be used as a receiver in this <laughs> system? And like, do you think that without Michael Thomas, we're now like shading towards Taysom Hill as the starting quarterback for the saints?
1: okay first of all as the sidebar to that like michael thomas has no bearing on who the quarterback is that that's the i'm not saying you but that's like the most ludicrous thing i've seen out there is that people are like oh now it's Taysom hill a quarterback no michael thomas has nothing to do with it. you play your best quarterback like, it wouldn't be other teams like all of a sudden they lose the best wide receiver and it's like well let's turn to the backup uh, because you know we lost our best wide receiver like the the cleveland browns like, bench baker mayfield we lost odell beckham no that's not how it works if winston's the best option winston's the best option now i'm not saying that's a guarantee but Winston isn't relevant or regarding or uh, reliant if I could come out with the right word on Michael Thomas being there so the Alvin Kamara question we've seen the numbers but we also have to take this with a whole grain of salt in the fact that we expected Kamara's numbers not to be as great without Drew Brees Jameis Winston throws to running backs more than Taysom Hill does. Taysom Hill and Jameis Winston both don't do it as much as Drew Brees does because Drew Brees was top three in the league year after year after year. So it's not the end of the world where it's the bottom of the league like Jared Goff for the past two seasons. But whereas your question is how much further can he go up, I think even if he saw a boost in targets, it's about the efficiency probably not being as great. So I think this is a fair spot. I'm a little different in my tiers than you. I only have a big three and then a second three. Um, but I, I think that for, for what your qu- question being, I have Camara fourth. I have Camara starting this next tier for me.
0: Okay. So let's just break it down for a second. I think that Camara has a better season. If Jameis Winston is the full-time quarterback now put quotes on sure. full-time quarterback, Taysom Hill is. It's not like he's just going to be on the bench and he's never going to play. He'll line up a bit at like slot receiver. He'll take snaps out of the backfield Uh, In terms of being a running back, he'll take quarterback snaps as well. He's going to be mixed and matched in in terms of special packages and things like that. So you talked about Hill is going to dump down a lot less and have just fewer running back targets than Jameis is, and it's going to be far less than we saw with drew Brees over the course of like the past 10 years. But with Hill, I also worry about the touchdown equity with these running backs as well, because if he's in the game, uh, not afraid to call his own number near the goal line. It's almost like we talked about in the top one hundred and fifty show. And we talked about the bills backfield where Josh Allen, just he takes away from the bottom line of whoever is playing running back. Taysom Hill would do the same thing. So if he's like the goal line, package quarterback or at least he gets one shot inside the goal line just to throw teams off. I think that could significantly hurt the overall touchdown upside of both Kamara and Latavius Murray.
1: Which you know again, don't disagree. Uh I don't think you're banking too much on like, oh God, Alvin El- Kamara is going to go from 12 rushing touchdowns to six, mostly because Camara gets his it's not, it's not even like goal line rushes when Kamara gets his. So I'm not too worried about the touchdowns. You maybe you tick off two Maybe three at most over the course of the full season, but again, despite my point being about how you're going to get less efficient volume, it's still going to be volume. That's that's what we're going for here. You know, the pushback to go. I know we're not talking about him yet, but we'll get to Najee Harris. Is like Najee Harris, the offensive line isn't that good. I, I don't care because he's going to be getting 250 minimum carries. He's touching the ball 300 plus times. We want volume for all the things we want, and it's wide receivers too. All the things. Hell, it's every position. It's quarterback attempts. We want volume in fantasy. Whether somebody's volume is more efficient and a better production than somebody else's, that's a whole conversation. And why do we rank these guys differently? But you're telling me volume, volume, volume. Alvin Kamara's volume is going up with no Michael Thomas. You know, they brought in uh, Chris Hogan. Chris Hogan's not going to be the answer. Trey Smith is probably going to struggle a little bit getting number one attention. So they're going to need Kamara, even if it comes at some lost touchdowns rushing wise. I'm not too concerned about it. I'm not for me. I'm not moving him from number four. I agree with you. He can't go up like he's not going to still touch that first tier, but I'm not moving him down either.
0: I have him exactly where I had him when we did the top 150 show at running back. Number yes. five. Actually, I may have had him at running back. Number six and at Saquon at number five, but I cooled on Saquon a little bit. We'll talk about that in a second. The issue here for me is when we did the readjustment of the projections, and I might go manually override those because that's one of the tools that we offer at runthesims.com is we have the entire spreadsheet there. You can go manually tweak the rankings to whatever you want. So when Michael Thomas went out, that left this gap in terms of market share of targets among all the receiving options on the Saints. So Michael Thomas was up around like a 27% share. He's now been lowered to around a 15% share as a baseline throughout the course of the entire season. I even think that might be, a little too optimistic depending on the amount of games that he is probably going to end up playing. He's probably around like 10%. But a lot of that got funneled onto Camara, So he's up around the 22% market share of the targets. And I think that's just too high. So that, that mm, yeah. assuming that's what happens, let's just play it with that baseline right now. That would put Elvin Kamara at 103 catches on 129 <laughs> targets. I just don't think with Jameis or Taysom Hill, he's going to get to that number.
1: No, and it's not even that number as an entirety. Is I would say that number is too high, which percentage-wise, like so for me, I'm actually a little higher than you are on Michael Thomas because I took out um, six games to play the minimum or the middle. Uh, They said four to eight. Uh, Six hits the middle, and then you also have that buy in there. So he's got a buy with a Monday night game. So he almost gets kind of a little bit of an extra time on top of that six weeks. And by doing that, I actually came out sixteen. 0.2 0.2 percent of the target share which put alvin kamara up at 18 not quite into the 20 because i still have six for latavius 15 for trey Kwan, uh seven plus for marquez calloway and then deontay harris and chris hogan i have deontay harris actually getting more than marquez marquez calloway um i think deontay harris could be an intriguing like big big play option that they might try to get on the field more but anyway that being said is There's still going to be, and oh, the biggest one, Troutman's up at 14%. So I think that when you factor everybody in, as you mentioned, and you said your first reaction was that's too high, I agree with you. I don't think Kamara even gets to 20%, whoever the quarterback might be, just because you're still, as much as this is arguably one of the worst wide receiver situations in the NFL now, you're still going to have a lot of targets going to the wide receivers and to Troutman and who knows, probably even Dick Vanette getting mixed in there.
0: So just dropping him from, let's say, 22% to 15% as a market share of targets in this offense, that drops him from, in the projections, from running back two to running back number five, which is where I have him. And I do think that 17, I don't know if it's a ceiling or not. The issue I have is now, I think we just see a lot more Latavius Murray in the game. Not that it's going to take away from Kamara, but he is like legit their second best offensive player now. No,
1: sure, for sure. Well, uh, again, for the passing game, I, th- I think it's out in but yeah, No, in the passing game, but I'm just talking player. about like overall
0: yeah. skill position player. It's Kamara by a large margin. Then it's probably Latavius Murray, and then it's kind of the rest of everyone else.
1: Yeah, I don't disagree with that. So, yes, I think you can see just more running the ball in general. It's going to be interesting. You know, Jameis Winston doesn't like to hand it off <laughs> too much. So. I think, of course, you know, the call, the play is called or the play is called, but it'll be interesting to see how this works. Out. I don't disagree with you that Latavius Murray is the second best option. Uh, but as of today, I think this is shaping up to be very much like the Detroit Lions. Like, Look at the similarities there between these two teams and that you have an explosive running back in the lead. You have a very well-rounded running back behind him. And then you could argue that the best talent for all receiving options, not in the backfield, is the tight end. So, Hawkinson and Trotman versus, you know, the others and Traquan Smith and all those other guys with Tyrell Williams and Brashad Pearman. I think the Lions and the Saints offense are very similar now.
0: They're similar, but... I still trust no matter who's playing. I mean, I don't like really Taysom Hill as a passer all that much, but if it was Jameis versus Goff, give me Jameis, and Sean Payton yes. versus Tarzan Dan Campbell, I'll, I'll take the creativity oh, of, of Sean Payton. So I think that there's a well, are boost. You sure? Are
1: you sure? Has Dan Dan Campbell's talked about, what, what, like eating your goat's children or something like that? What are he talking Like something random? Some stupid thing?
0: He just talks nonsense the entire time. He's like a crazy <laughs> person.
1: I was going he's the new Mike, Mike Tyson. He's Mike Tyson of the NFL now.
0: So I have Zeke at number four. Do you have him at number five? Yes. Okay. So we're in lockstep that he's going to be great this year. And he's still the one guy just looking at the ADPs from the last three days. uh, Not a ton of sample, only 10 high stakes drafts, but they are high stakes drafts. He is now going as running back number six. So people are kind of cluing in a little bit like, oh, he, he, he was being drafted a bit too low. We need to get him back up there.
1: Yeah, people realize what we're talking about. We, as in the people who have been on his bandwagon, we talked about it on your show for the top 150. As in, look at Zeke's games at the beginning of the season before Dak went down. He was number three for running backs, uh, number two in some leagues. Nothing's changed with Ezekiel Elliott, and he was playing through an injury for most of the season himself. And I keep referencing this. If you go back and look at the injury reports, there was only two weeks he wasn't even on the injury report. I know you could say, well, what's the injury? How severe is it? But anyway, the two only weeks he wasn't on it were the two weeks he ran for over 100 yards. And that was after Dak was gone with crap quarterback play. So I have always been still on the Zeke, Zeke, Zeke. So I'm with you. Uh, you We both have him at five, and I think he should have been there all along.
0: All right, so the next tier that I have is let off with Saquon Barkley. So it's Barkley, Eckler, Jonathan Taylor, Najee Harris, Nick Chubb, and Aaron Jones. So instead of just trying to, like, have micro tiers, those six guys I think are a pretty solid collection of the next run of everyone at running back. So with Saquon, we're now getting the Joe Judge commentary that they want the long-term health of Saquon to be the thing. Do you expect there to be not necessarily a downturn in his project? production, but a downturn in his touches, at least the first few weeks. And I don't mean like he's getting 10 touches a game, but instead of being the guy that might cap out at 30 touches in a game, he's a guy that caps out at like 20 touches in a game.
1: I, I can honestly even see 16 or 17. I, this is another one I keep bringing up is look at Dalvin Cook when he came back. That's the example. Like, I referenced this in a tweet yesterday when Renan said that, and I said, remember Le'Veon Bell's suspended season? First four, he'd only played 12 games. Still finishes RB3, still finishes RB1 in points per game. And I said, yes, that was a suspension versus an injury. Completely different situation, and there is more risk with Barkley. But they're not saying He's not playing until week four. He's not playing until week five. Said he's going to be brought along slowly. I don't think slowly – I don't think anybody's out there thinking slowly means he's not going to be 100% until week nine. Like It's just – relax a little bit. This is smart by the Giants. They want to make sure he's healthy. So that's why I also bring Dalvin Cook into the conversation because look at what happened with him. When he came back, they actually pushed him a little bit too hard with the Vikings, but when they let him come back slowly, he started off with these mid-teen touches, and then it took him three or four games – And then he was Dalvin effing cook Saquon Barkley. If you told me he was slow through that the entire month of September, and then he's Saquon effing Barkley for the rest of the season for 12 or 13 games, I'm still taking him. And that's why I said the one person that was still in that tier with me, he's still in the tier with with Zeke and Kamara for me, because I know hundred percent Barkley for 12 games, plus whether it's Barkley or a replacement running back, I get at the beginning of the year, is going to be top five talent-wise. So now if you want to say, I don't believe that's going to happen because of the Giants, that's another conversation. You're you're welcome to have that conversation. But if I believe in Barkley, this whole bringing along slowly is not going to scare me off of him.
0: I think six is fair. I think it's enough to drop him down a tier from, I mean, just a, a differentiation between Kamara and Zeke and Barkley. I'd just, I'd much prefer in safety wise at least in my mind to have those two guys if I end up with Barkley I'm not gonna be mad at my fantasy team uh (laughs) I think that he's gonna be a fantastic buy but there are probably Kelsey maybe Devontae Adams now Tyreek Hill like I I think that he's in the conversation with the very elite players at the other positions at wide receiver and tight end versus those running backs are my top five guys
1: And, and I can see that argument so maybe for some people he's in a tier of his own I just see the upside of Barkley being so much greater than this group that we're talking about here. And I have a very similar group. The only other person I have in that you didn't mention, you didn't say Joe Mixon, correct?
0: I did not. He is that number one in tier three.
1: See, I would put him in the same group we're talking about now. We differ a little bit on those type of things, but you know, Aaron Jones. What's the usage going to be like with AJ Dillon? Who Aaron Jones again? Very touchdown reliant. What if it's a little bit different this year? Jonathan Taylor. We're on this whole. You know, we differ do we differ on this? I keep saying Marlon Max not a factor, but Naeem Hines is Austin Eckler. We think Austin Eckler is going to be freaking amazing because he's Austin Eckler, and the backup options aren't that great. But remember brand new coaching staff. Now, one's coming from the defensive mind who has an offensive outlook is like was quote was or something like that. I forget what it is. But you have Lombardi coming who's been a quarterbacks coach and sitting there with Drew Brees. So, what is he like there's a lot of things we're assuming for the Chargers that could change. Uh Joe Mixon health situation, Najee Harris I love, you know, all these types of situations, but all these guys have questions. Barkley has his own questions, and if that's why you want to put him in that group, that's fine, but if it wasn't the injury question for Saquon Barkley, he's just so far ahead of this group, in my opinion.
0: All right. It's a compelling case to move him up to tier one. But like I said, that's sort of like the line of de- demarcation. Two? What's that, sorry?
1: Wait. Wait, you have Kamara and Zeke in tier one also? You have yeah. a big
0: five? Yeah, I have a big five.
1: Oh, okay. So I, I separated. I have three and three. And I know you said you don't want to go with the mini tiers, but I would just... That's how I would separate them. Okay.
0: Okay. I, I mean, I think that's a perfectly fair way to divvy up your tiers people can make you know there, there's no standard when it comes to tiers i'm just, I'm just trying to do this so <laughs> i can figure it out Because the way that the tiers get injected into the top 150 everyone's kind of a cluster there are very few mini tiers inside the top 150 like we talked about if you want to see the entire list of these running back rankings or the top 150 overall you can check the description or comment section of this video they are down there right now so i would recommend going to do that if you just want to follow along with everything and we're going to be talking about Let's say bad things happen to Saquon Barkley. Does that make Devontae Booker a good play? Latavius Murray? These type of guys. Jake is going to be on Fantasy Football Picks and Bets on Mayo Media Network, where I already got you to subscribe to and leave that review. That is going to come out... Uh, That's out right now, actually, Uh, and we do our handcuff rankings for the year of guys that maybe you want to target later in drafts if you're into the handcuff game. And we'll discuss the strategy behind handcuffs as well, because we probably won't get into the very depths of all of the handcuffs in Tier 1 and Tier 2 handcuffs. As a part of this show, we're just trying to hammer down what you should be doing at the very top of your draft. So after Barkley, I do have Eckler. Taylor, Harris, Chubb, and Jones. We don't need to relitigate a lot of these guys, but I'm willing to go with the upside of Eckler in half point and full point PPR just because if we do think that there could be a downturn for Kamara in terms of receptions, depending on who's playing quarterback. So if it is Taysom Hill, and like we don't know who the starter is, it's, I agree with you, it's probably likely to be Jameis. But if it's not, you know, I didn't think they would play Taysom Hill this long anyway. You, you might see a drop off and he might not like he might be around 80, 75 80 catches instead of 100, which is a lot of lost fantasy points even in full point PPR, even in half point PPR and then Eckler could be the one who steps in if we think that the offense and there is actually something Cust pointed out on the last uh, fantasy football picks and bet show is that you know it you have to think that the offense is going to be upgraded regardless of how it works from Anthony Lynn.
1: Mm, I don't know if it has. Again, you're talking about Lombardi. It doesn't actually have much of a pedigree of like positive pedigree because again he failed previously and then he was sitting there with new orleans and you can make the argument i'm, I'm just pointing out the the, the, uh, the devil's advocate side of it is what's there to really do you're coaching drew breeze okay but that's a really tough job to do out there so and again you're you're having a mind come from the rams and you know people like oh the next show McVay. we've also seen that not work out for a lot of coaches of being the next whatever and he was coming from the defensive side of things so I don't know that it's necessarily much better versus Anthony Lynn. Like, What are we assuming here of how it could be better? And I'm talking even specifically for Eckler, not even Justin Herbert in this conversation. Is Austin Eckler going to turn into a bell cow? I think you get him killed if you do. I think Austin Eckler is perfect in the role that he's in, and that's what makes him so damn good. So I guess the question, I'm coming back to you then, Pat. Like, where is it's going to be better? Like, do we get Austin Eckler to a, 18 percent target share because that's really I don't think the rushing is going to be much more so that's where he would have to grow in the passing game and he's already freaking elite in the passing game so I don't know where you really can see where it's going to be better
0: I just think it, okay maybe I phrase that incorrectly I just think it can't be worse with the play calling than Anthony Lynn. Okay. okay so so it's a uh, pu- uh, it's a push at worst so at least in my mind so the way I have it divvied up is I have a 50 percent Rushing share for Eckler of the team. Maybe that's a bit too lofty. I don't know. But I have a 17% market share of targets for him. So the big thing that kind I kind of rallied back with when I was researching Austin Eckler is over the past two seasons, he's gotten 15 touches 13 times. Because like you said, he's not necessarily a bell cow, but 15 touches is probably good for our purposes. And in those 13 games when he had 15 touches and half point PPR, he averaged 18 points per game. The only qualified running backs who did that last season were Delvin Cook, Elvin Kamara, and Derrick Henry. Christian McCaffrey obviously didn't qualify because he didn't play enough games. So right. I just think that he doesn't need all that much more, that if he can get 17 touches a game, so let's call it 11 or 12 on the ground, five catches. That doesn't seem unreasonable in an offense like this, and hopefully he can get a few goal line touches. Like That's really where this hinges, because if he starts getting goal line touches and he's their goal line back, then he's in the running to be a top three guy. I don't think that's going to happen, but I you know, I can put in his market share of rushing touchdowns at like 30%. That's what I have a minute right now, and that's really going to kill his overall upside. But I just think he presents such an easy floor every single week that he's healthy. If they do try to lean on him as a bell cow, it will be amazing for three weeks until he gets hurt. So I don't <laughs> really want that at the same time. But I can just get a healthy season out of him, 17 touches a game, you know, like, 60-40 between rushing and passing. He, he's just going to be a stud running back that I just plug in every week. And he's a guy that doesn't need to score touchdowns for me to get value back on him where I draft him. And if he does, then all of a sudden we're to the moon with Austin Eckler.
1: Sure. I guess the, that's a, a very lot of ifs till we get there, but I, I think the ifs could get where he is top five running back. There's, there's no question about Eckler's talent and his ability when he's used properly and when he's used with the 15, like you said, over 15 touches in a game, I agree with you, is that you don't want him at 20. I don't like, you know, I, I, as much as we're lauding Off Eckler, I don't know if it's again now, before everybody's like, oh my God, I can't believe you compare the two. I'm comparing the two for a reason. Eckler is definitively 10 times out of 10, the better talent than Lamar Miller. But I bring up Lamar Miller as the example all the time because people were pounding the table to give him more touches. Look how good he is. Why don't the Dolphins use him more? Blah, blah, blah. And then he gets more touches. And what does Lamar Miller do? He puts up the same numbers in a less efficient way. So it's not that he got better. It just took him more touches to do what he was doing already. So I'm with you in the fact that it's not even the 20 touches. He gets killed as in like, oh, my God, he's going to get hurt. He can't handle that. Like Even if he stays healthy, is he built – Or, you know, is his game even built for that? So I think the 15 to 18 is the very nice sweet spot for Eckler. And honestly, I'm with you. If it leans towards 17 or 18, two touches per game doesn't sound like a hell of a lot. But two touches, and another 34 opportunities over the course of the entire season. then, yes, he could be pushing that top tier.
0: The only pushback I would have, I I understand your Lamar Miller point about the efficiency versus volume. And he was just a more effective and efficient runner on fewer touches. Maybe it kept him spry throughout the game. I I really don't understand how that worked between Miami and Houston <laughs> at that point where he just became the same guy on twice as many touches. It's not that with Eckler because the one thing with him is I just think that his role in the passing game is just so solidified that Miller didn't have, right. like he caught passes obviously, but so much of Eckler's fantasy value is predicated on what he does in the passing game. And if you added the extra two touches per game in the receiving game, all of a sudden now. I don't think it would really be the wear and tear that we're looking for in terms of two extra carries a game where he's just getting you know completely annihilated running up the middle. And it also is just far more <laughs> valuable fantasy wise.
1: So are, are you kind of campaigning that you might consider Austin Eckler on your top tier?
0: No, I, I think he's behind Barkley because I don't think that he his route to hitting that overall upside, I think is way behind all the guys that I have previously mentioned. But I do think that he's above the next few guys who probably have more upside if everything breaks right for them. But I just don't think that they're going to do it, I guess would be why I have Taylor, Najee Harris, Nick Chubb, and Aaron Jones behind him. Yeah, and
1: I'm with you on that one, too. Especially, I mean, not the most glaring one of that entire group is Nick Chubb, but just his lack of passing game use, unless Kareem Hunt were to get hurt. And who who knows? I mean, the Browns might still not re- go to him. They might go to a third wide receiver.
0: I, I just find him so hard to rank because he's going to have these games where he makes you look like a moron for not having him, like, as a top five <laughs> running back. But then there's going to be the weeks where he gets 17 carries for 84 yards and no touchdowns. Like, oh, he scored eight points. Great.
1: That's, just, that's, it's the DJ Moore, of the wide receivers. Like I, I said it last year after about week four, it's like, I'm done DJ Moore. I'm just warning everybody. I can say it's a great match, he's wide receiver 20 every single week. He's just going to be wide receiver 20. I'm done with trying to figure out this is the week he finishes wide receiver eight. This is the week he finishes wide receiver 34. He's wide receiver 20. It's the same thing with Nick Chubb. He's just running back 10. Just put him at running back 10. You're starting him no matter what. I don't care about accuracy for rankings for him as you mentioned one week, it's going to be, he's finishing number one or number two. And then the next week he finishes 21st. Like just put him at 10 and leave him there.
0: Now that Rogers is you're back at training camp and it looks like he's going to start the season being the Packers quarterback. <laughs> should I give Aaron Jones a bump up over Chubb?
1: I wouldn't, I still wouldn't. That's one of the things. though. So I talk about this. I did my projections and then I did my rankings. Um, I could see, like, I think Aaron Jones, I'll be honest with you. I think Aaron Jones is slightly ahead of Chubb in mind. Um, But like, I don't think it should be a significant bump. Like I can see him being in front of him, but it shouldn't be a wide gap where just let the board fall. And this is kind of why we do tiers because if one of them goes mid first, but one of them falls all the way to the end of the first round, potentially even the second round, that's the one I want. I don't care which one it is. That's the one I want just because they're so close. Uh, Eric Jones, uh, you know, I I lost a bet with Michael Baller last year uh, because of the touchdowns. He still ran for only what a thousand yards and change. If A.J. Dillon, we talked about the Saints and your concern for Alvin Kamara rushing the ball for his running rushing touchdowns, Aaron Jones loses three rushing touchdowns because A.J. Dillon becomes a 30-40% share and he's the boomer of this offense. That's significant because Aaron Jones was very touchdown reliant and it wasn't just touchdown reliance either. He was kind of Will Fuller-ish where 30 points and then 10-10-10-10, 25-8-10-12. like He's very up and down, like a decent floor. But the ceilings were really what pushed them.
0: Yeah, I can see that. I just don't know this entire tier. I find very confusing. Like, I almost feel like making. Let me put a, it this way. I I almost feel like making a mini tier of Berkeley and Eckler and having Taylor Harris, Chubb, and Jones all by themselves. Because this is I'm where I could like I could just this is where I could see myself drafting Calvin Ridley instead of Aaron Jones.
1: And, and I'm I'm okay with that. I, I I don't mind that at all. I actually kind of like that. Um, because to go back to the Aaron Jones versus Nick Chubb. Let's talk about potential ceilings. I think we've we've seen Aaron Jones' ceiling and finishing as a top five, six running back because of the touchdown volume. And of course, of course, attrition, other running backs getting hurt. Nick Chubb's ceiling is still that. If Kareem Hunt were to get hurt and all of a sudden Nick Chubb is just the guy, because they're not. I don't even know who they would turn to as the second option. I just think it would be a cluster behind him, and then they would just give the ball to Nick Chubb twenty plus times every single week and actually use him in the passing game. Where now. Nick Chubb is on the tier of Ezekiel Elliott.
0: All right. So we'll call Barkley and Eckler a tier by themselves. We'll call that tier two. So tier three is going to be Taylor Harris, Chubb and Jones Taylor. I've kind of expressed my hesitation with him. I can't recommend it. I don't think I can really rank him any longer. He's being drafted as geez, in high stakes leagues. I think running back number five right now, ahead of Zeke, ahead of Eckler, ahead of Berkeley. Yeah. Over the past, uh, past four days at least. Uh, since a lot of the news had ended up coming out. Kamara only went up to number four, too. So it's still McCaffrey, Cook, Henry, Kamara, Taylor, Zeke, Eckler, Barkley would be the top eight and how they're being drafted in high-stakes formats at the moment. But the news of, I mean, I, I brought this concern up with you. I know you laugh at me. Everyone laughs at me when I bring it up that Marlon <laughs> Mack is back at 100%. And like, as long as he's on this team, I still think that he's going to get touches. Not enough that you want Marlon Mack, but enough that I think that it just, you not know, We have to make a checklist between these elite running backs of what brings them down, what brings them up. How do they hit their upside? How do they hit their downside? And part of Taylor's hesitation, as you brought up, the the more pressing concern, I mean, I think it's twofold. One, you have Naheem Hines, who's going to be used a decent amount. He's going to be used in the passing game. And I think that Phillip Rivers not being there, just blood dumping down to running backs the entire time, is also going to be... a bit of a downtick for Jonathan Taylor and Hines in the passing game. But just with the way that I've seen Frank Reich do everything as it pertains to running back, even when he was the OC in Philadelphia, like he likes to divvy this up that you start giving Mac five or six or seven carries a game just to keep people fresh. It just really hurts the ceiling of Taylor to get there for you. That is my hesitation about having Marlon Mack come back because I, I still think that all three of them are going to be used. I think that's what Frank Reich wants to do in this backfield.
1: Yeah, but all these coaches want to do something until it forces you a different way. You know, for the longest time, Andy Reid was somebody who loves to use mostly one running back 60% of the time. And then last year forced in another direction, you know, Clyde Edwards, a layer off the slow start, especially near the goal line. They bring in Le'Veon Bell and ends up being this cluster. Uh, You talk about, right. You talk about Doug Peterson had that uh, misnomer for him for the longest time. And then Miles Sanders changed it the one year because Miles Sanders was that damn good. Obviously it involved an injury too, but some of these things situations change. Like, We talk about we're going to get to the Patriots. I think that situation is changing where coaches sometimes adapt to who they have on the team and things change with the offense. Now, where we disagree is the Marlon Mack factor, where we don't disagree. And I have said this the entire time. So we're on the same page this one. I think Naeem Hines is the factor here. That's why Jonathan Taylor, for me, as amazing as I think he is, and the fact that I think he can be used in the passing game is Nick Chubb. He's their Nick Chubb. He's that good. But they're just not going to use him that much in the passing game because they have Naeem Hines, who is a really good pass game player. Not that Taylor's not going to be involved some, but it's a Nick Chubb situation where it might be 20 receptions, 25 receptions, because you also factor in what you said. Carson Wentz versus Philip Rivers. So the volume is going to come down, too. So I'm with you. Jonathan Taylor should be here. Jonathan Taylor would not be going that high in my drafts. Well, for if, if I'm just drafting the first round, we've already discussed our tier so far. Uh and I'm I'm kind of happy, as much as I love Jonathan Taylor the player, I'm kinda happy to see him go there because I know I'm getting a better value if I'm drafting the back half of the first round like I did last night in the pros versus Joes. And I got Barkley at the 111.
0: Oh, really? 111? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Chubb, Taylor, Eckler, uh, all the of the big five running backs in front of him. And then who else? I think there was one other running back, and then of course Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. So, yeah, I got him at 111. And, you know, but the thing was, this Jonathan Taylor already went like fifth or sixth, where I would still take Eckler before him, let alone after him at the discount. And others, I forget if Taylor might even have gone in front of Ezekiel Elliott in that one. So, again, That's that's I say that to say be happy that Taylor is getting all this helium because then you can get the better value.
0: So I have made my own set of projections on Run the Sims. I I adjusted the baseline. I adjusted it up for Jonathan Taylor just to see what that would give me. So I put him in at a sixty percent rushing share of this team. That includes quarterbacks. That includes injuries factored in and everything like that. So sixty percent that means he's going to be playing around seventy five percent of the snaps. I have him as an eight percent. Market share of the targets. Does that sound fair? Does that sound too high, too low to you?
1: Uh, I'm looking right now to see what I have him. So <laughs> I have him at seven point eight. So there okay. you go.
0: So eight. I, I try to make it round numbers because I don't want to deal with. Yeah, sentence. yeah. So sixty well, you percent. Know, your
1: rushing number is actually above mine. Just so you know, so, I have him at fifty-six percent.
0: Okay, so sixty percent, five yards per carry, uh, and a market share of sixty percent of the rushing touchdowns. That's what I have it factored out to. Uh, And this is with the assuming that the Colts run the ball 41% of the time. Now, that number might be off. You can adjust it. That's the glorious part of Run the Sims. You don't agree with that? Just change the number, and it will change the projection for you very easily, as long as you click Save. Don't forget to do that. Uh, So 8% uh, on 8.3 yards per catch, uh, and a market share of around 8% of the receiving touchdowns of this team. That only puts them at running back 11 in half-point PPR.
1: Yeah, mine are a little bit similar as funny as I had the rushing a little bit lower in mine. Uh, when I sort them out, I get them at RB nine. So now mind you, that's only three points in front of Mixon at 10 for the full season. So that's, you know, very slim margin there. But yeah, I, have them, I check them in at nine with a
0: little bit different numbers than you do. This summer Bespoke Post is here to take your adventures to the next level with a new line of must have box of awesome collections bespoke post partners with small businesses and emerging brands to bring you the most unique goods every month i got the weekender in the mail because i just loved how good the bag was i looked at the bag i was like i think i need to have this bag and it was just full of stuff you got a shirt in there you got a water bottle in there i quite liked it but there are other ones that you can get along the line too because no matter what you're into box of awesome has you covered From travel and outdoor gear to breezy summer styles and grooming goods, Box of Awesome has collections for every part of your life. Like I said, I got the Weekender, but you can get the Dram, which is a whiskey one. Uh, It has awesome glasses, uh, like awesome whiskey glasses that come along with it. You get secured. You get to the Recover, which is the topical CBD one. So you can just go to bespokepost.com and check out whatever box of awesome that you would want. So to get started, take the quiz at boxofawesome.com. Your answers will help them pick the right box of awesome for you. They release new boxes every month across a ton of different categories. It's free to sign up and you can skip a month or cancel anytime. Each box costs only 45 bucks but has over $70 worth of gear inside. And get 20% off your first monthly box when you sign up at boxofawesome.com and enter the code PME at checkout. That's boxofawesome.com code PME. For 20% off, your first box. So tier four, I've adjusted these a little bit since the last time we spoke, so I'm starting to get spooked on one player in particular. So it's Mixon, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, DeAndre Swift, J.K. Dobbins, Daryl Henderson, and Antonio Gibson. We have not spoken since the Cam Akers injury. Mm -hmm. And until they bring someone else in, like if I'm drafting right now, and you have to think to yourself, yeah, they probably are going to bring someone else in, but if they don't, I think this is the spot where you want to take him. Like, I loved Cam Akers. I had him above Jonathan Taylor at running back number seven before he went down. But there's, like, literally no one else there at this point. And if they don't bring anyone else in, like, it's going to be his shot at least. And I see him sort of in this, like, weird Austin Eckler zone in terms of touches, which means that he's probably even too low in the rankings. But I am trying to hedge against the fact that well, maybe they find someone on the roster. Maybe they find someone else coming in who they can sign off the street. There's already been talk of, now I completely forget this jabroni's name. Someone from your your publication, TheAthletic.com, was Xavier Jones, was the guy's name, uh, that they were hyping up. Oh, he's up already like, on there. Oh, it's like, what's that? Yeah,
1: yeah, he's, yeah the, he's the one that they're claiming is going to be the backup and not. Uh, calais and anybody else that xavier jones could actually be actually there was a whole thing of whether or not he actually pronounces his first name x xavier with like that so he should have two x's in the front i know you probably hate that i know you probably hate that people call it xavier xavier no just it's x xavier which you're not supposed to because that's you're not supposed it's just xavier but anyway i just I, i know you hate the mispronunciation of names
0: it's funny because I mispronounce everyone's name, uh, but I just pronounce it the way that I think that it. <laughs> Unless should. they're French. Oh yeah, yeah. See, see like, if we talked about if we were doing the wide receiver show and we were talking about <laughs> Paris Campbell, and when we talk about Travis Etienne here in a minute, uh, then we're going to be okay. But I have Henderson at forty nine percent of the rushes, ten percent of the target share. I mean, he could definitely eclipse the forty nine percent of the market share of rushes if he sticks as the running, like the main running back one. And that still puts him at running back number 15. Like, I I think if you like Cam Akers and there's no one else there, why wouldn't you like Daryl Henderson? And I'm looking at the ADP right now, and people are just so scared of the situation, it seems. He's being drafted at running back number 25 behind, like, Miles Gaskin and Etchen and Josh Jacobs. Like, I'd rather just roll the dice on Henderson. Maybe I can get a nice discount on him where he's going. And you can just look at ADP versus the rankings and be like, oh, I can wait around on that guy. But I do think he's someone you want to get.
1: Yeah, I actually, I took him in both. I took him the pros versus Joes and then that Rasball one as my third running back because I'm like, screw it. I mean, I'm taking him here because everything you just said. I'll reference Emery Hunt, who, you know, we're texting about this situation. And I said, it's funny that, you know, everybody's hesitant on Daryl Henderson while they were just a few weeks ago so excited that he's one of the best backups and one of the most overlooked backups in the NFL because he's so talented. People forget that he's talented and blah, blah, blah. And now he's thrust in this situation. All of a sudden, people are like, "Well, I don't, I don't know. It might be Xavier Jones. It might bring somebody else in." And it's what he calls it: smooth brain thinking. Like it's just smart dummies. Like just go with the obvious answer. He's the most talented running back. The only question with Daryl Henderson has been injuries. Now, granted, that's significant. He's dealt with a lot already in the beginning of this NFL career. I referenced Lauren Fournette all the time. Dealt with injuries in college the first two seasons, injury, injury. You're injury prone until you're not. Everybody's injury prone. It's the NFL. You can get hurt at any single time. Do you really think Saquon Barkley was going to blow out his knee? Um, So it could always happen. Daryl Henderson, if healthy, 100% agree with you. The talent is a smidge below Cam Akers. So you do have them outside the top 10 but he's stepping into this role unless they add somebody. I'm 100% with you. He's a locked-in top 20 and arguably top 15 running back, especially in this offense with now Matthew Stafford. I I don't understand the hesitation outside of, again, if you want to say injury, fine. You want to play injury-scared, but there shouldn't be any other reason that you're off Daryl Henderson.
0: Well, here's the reason I'm injury-scared. I'm kind of injury-scared about Antonio Gibson. I was watching uh, our guy, or my guy, Dr. Jesse Morris, talk about the injuries, the recovery, and what the outlook is in the Washington football team backfield. And I can just see this getting split up a ton that he's not going to be this bell cow that everyone's penciling him in as, that the recovery might not be going as well as people think.
1: And that's a warranted concern. Obviously, we have time uh, with a lot of these players that, you know, all the assumptions are week one. And this, you know, the Saquon Barkley, obviously, it's better than Saquon Barkley. I'm going, I'm pulling up this team right now to see what the share was. But yeah, here's a perfect example. Why? Like I've always played the more hesitant game and the fact that I love Gibson, but I don't think he's a bell cow running back. Even if he is hundred percent, I just don't think that's who he is. This is another one of the Austin Eckler, Lamar Miller's. If you want to call, like, go back to college days, there's a reason he wasn't used as much. And which is funny is that he came out as a major, major pass catcher. And then Washington flipped the script and used him barely in the passing game. And I think that's the assumption is everybody's like, well, they're going to see the opportunity here. They're going to see how good he can be in a passing game. And he's going to take all that away from what McKisson got last year. Okay. I do think the passing game is going to improve, but there's a couple factors here. Even if it does, I don't think it turns into Austin Eckler. I only have him for 52% of the rushing share. I do think they're going to want to spell him, and they have a fascination with Peyton Barber. And then the biggest factor that comes in is Ryan Fitzpatrick is towards the bottom of the league of throwing to running backs. And you have Curtis Samuel and Terry McLaurin, so he doesn't have to check down to his running backs. And he has Logan Thomas. Um, he doesn't even throw to tight ends that much. He just loves throwing to his wide receivers. So I'm with you. Even if healthy, I, just, I think Antonio Gibson falls into a tier of – 15 to 17 touches per game which is the Clyde Edwards alaires the DeAndre Swifts those those kind of guys of the world and I'm with you is that the RB1 conversation is a little over a little too much for me
0: yeah, I, I kept him at the bottom of tier four only because if things do break his way and we're just wrong about the role that he plays, he could all of a sudden sure. vault up to be one of the better running backs in fantasy football. I'm of just course. a bit hesitant based on both the injury concern that I have for him in the recovery and the role that he'll specifically play in this offense. And you hit on two key names there. One was Ryan Fitzpatrick. The other one was Curtis Samuel. Curtis Samuel's going to have a rushing chair in this offense. And Ryan Fitzpatrick, he doesn't dump the ball off. He just runs himself.
1: yeah people forget that Ryan Fitzpatrick takes off his own quite a few times but uh, I think again it's more just even Curtis Samuel not even running the ball it's just Curtis Samuel in the passing game you just go back to and this is a different quarterback different team uh, different situation than last year. Uh, McKissick, you know, if, like, well, is McKissick just going to get tossed aside? I mean, I don't think McKissick's going to see the workload he saw last year, but at the same time, he's not a slouch that you're just going to dismiss and all of a sudden he's done for. Unless maybe he hits the theoretic type wall and he's just a non-factor. And, and that's where you bring up the upside of Gibson. Is all of a sudden if he is catching sixty passes this year, then Antonio Gibson, yep, top ten. We that's where he deserves to be. But all these factors in or why you do tears and why you bank in the risk value is you don't want to I'll reference something Brandon Funston says on, our, on pod, our podcast a lot. Don't buy at last year's peak price. And this isn't necessarily last year's peak price for Antonio Gibson and the fact that he already hit it, but it's what he hit and the assumption of what it is. And you're buying the peak price of now. Antonio Gibson has to be that if you're going to treat him as a fringe first rounder.
0: If I quizzed you on where Antonio Gibson is going recently in high-stakes leagues, what running back and what pick do you think he's going at?
1: I think he's going 202, running back 10, 11.
0: Running back 10 is correct. Pick number 14 is the average. 202. There it is. You're on. You know this. Why I have you on? You know this? You need to look <laughs> it up. You're good to go. And all that means is, I mean, it listen it's hard to differentiate between like if you're at 202 and you're at pick number 14 there is no real difference between gibson and clyde edwards lair it's not like well i'm gonna wait on clyde sure. edwards lair you can't it's your fucking pick so <laughs> right. it's not like he's following an extra round but there is a pretty discernible no difference. you have
1: like, two tiers at least before you come back around so i, I understand what you're saying yeah of course
0: but, but i think the difference here is that gibson is going ahead of aaron jones ahead of joe mixon ahead of Najee harris ahead of edwards lair dobbins and deandre swift and well that's not ridiculous that's not a cr- crazy overreaction I I just think that's wrong
1: I would 100% agree with you I would take Najee Harris Joe Mixon uh, I could see taking him over Dobbins and I'm one of the biggest Dobbins supporters out there I would definitely put it this way I definitely take him over DeAndre Swift we've mentioned my hesitancies on the last show about DeAndre Swift Um, but yeah there's there's no way there's no way I'm taking him over Mixon and Harris
0: so check out the Top 150 show for Mixon, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, DeAndre Swift, and J.K. Dobbins' arguments back and forth, but I've settled on them there. So that tier four is Mixon, C.H. or C.E.H., Swift, Dobbins, Henderson, and Antonio Gibson. Tier number five is going to be Mike Davis, Chris Carson, David Montgomery, Miles Sanders, and Javante Williams. And I'll let you know the two guys that I'm ending up with from this tier are Davis and Javante Williams.
1: uh I've had a ton of Davis so far myself another volume 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 I'm really going to turn to Kadri Olsen that much or uh, we mentioned on the other show too is that Javion Hawkins as much as I'm a fan of Hawkins and his talent and his passing game ability the fact that he could be an NFL Tariq Cohen or Naeem Hines he's still an undrafted free agent still has to make the team Uh, there's still questions out there and even if he does make the team how much because Mike Davis has proven to be a quality pass catcher and a pretty good pass blocker. So I'm at, that's what the only one I differ on is I actually have Mike Davis up in the tier ahead of this. Um, I have Mike Davis up by Deandre Swift and behind Daryl Henderson. So he's up there in my top 20. Uh, I've been ending up with, like I said, a lot of Mike Davis, the arrest. I pretty much agree with you. Uh, I think that very similar tier in this group, because now you're getting a lot of questions of splits, uh, involvement offenses and stuff like that. So I don't have a really problem with the rest of them, but that's the one where I differ on. I I would put Mike Davis on the tier above this.
0: I think I'm comfortable with him here, just especially versus his ADP, because he is not being drafted highly at all. He's being drafted at running back number 26. He's being drafted at pick number 60. So that's how I end. But now it's weird because him and Daryl Henderson are going back to back, and I would rather have, I'd rather gamble on the upside of Henderson that maybe that there is an unknown in this offense, that if he is the running back one, maybe he could be a top five guy or something like that, something crazy with Sean McVay and Matthew Stafford if everything breaks right. If everything breaks right for Mike Davis with all of his volume, he's still probably like at best running Running
1: back ten. <laughs> yeah but running back 10 is pretty damn good I, uh, I agree good I, I have
0: met, I have met running back number let's see 5 11 18 I think it's a decent age. okay so
1: uh, yeah I'm, I'm 16 so just barely in front of you but the good news is as you said Daryl Henderson and Mike Davis well if you're <laughs> drafting where they're going on usually at least what I've seen recently is you don't have to make the decision because it's towards the fourth fifth turn and you can get both of them so What I I talk about the pros versus draft draft, you take a running back one eleven Saquon Barkley, and maybe you don't like that risk with those other two, but then hammer wide receiver, wide receiver. And then you come back and as your second and third running back, you get Henderson and Mike Davis and it's all sunshine and roses.
0: There we are. So I don't know what to do with David Montgomery because either he's in a supreme value or he is like (laughs) wildly overvalued.
1: And I kind of have him in between right now. It comes down to Tariq Cohen. Hey, this, the news is that he's on pup and, you know, he's coming back slowly from his injury. Obviously there's still plenty of time, but the biggest thing is if Tariq Cohen's out there, he's going to be a passing game option. David Montgomery volley wait, said it earlier in the show, volume is King and he got all the volume. And I don't even talk, forget the schedule, which everybody knows at the end of the year was the cakewalk of cakewalks, but the volume was already there. If Tariq Cohen's back, then yes, he's wildly overvalued. If Tariq Cohen doesn't and he can't play at all, not a whole lot in the passing game in those running backs where you're that because like maybe Damian Williams you know people kind of forgot that he came over from the Chiefs maybe he steps in and is more of a factor than we think and then he's David Montgomery still overvalued but I think that there's no Tariq Cohen that's the best case scenario for David Montgomery
0: so tier six of running back starts off with Josh Jacobs who I don't even feel like ranking to tell you the truth because I don't want him but I it- some point, he becomes a good pick when no one wants him. I'm just, where have you been seeing him fall? Because right now, he's still going at pick, like, as high as 32 in some spots. That seems outrageous. Uh, And as low as 61. Average pick, number 42. Running back, number 20. So, So I go Jacobs, Hunt, Mostert, Travis Etienne, Miles Gaskin, Damian Harris, Chase Edmonds, Ronald Jones, Michael Carter, Latavius Murray. That is my next tier, tier six of running. That's a big tier. But it's a bunch of guys that I don't love, but wouldn't hate taking the very the guys who go the latest in this tier kind of thing.
1: Yeah, the article that I just put out today was the top 10 most overvalued players in drafts right now. And Jacobs right now is RB 16, 28th overall in ADP. That's consensus ADP. That's just absurd to me. Uh, You can't ignore Kenyon Drake coming in. And what I said in this article was if it was the Nick Chubb efficiency and on a per game basis, I'd be okay with that. Problem is, even last year with no career, Kenyon Drake, he was still 2.2 points per game behind. 2.2 per game behind Nick Chubb. And now you bring in Kenyon Drake and know that Josh Jacobs is not a factor. I threw out this stat on Twitter yesterday. Yesterday, He was, out of 650 snaps the past two seasons, 28 running backs qualified. So of those, he was 19th in passing play target percentage at 143 And just being involved in third down passing plays, 5.5%, the only running back lower than him, Derrick Henry at 4.5. So he's just not used in the passing game. And now you have Kenyon Drake. You mentioned a lot of names. I'd just rather wait. Mike Davis, Javante Williams, Damian Harris, Michael Carter, all in the RB 25 to twenty or 35 range. Not saying they're on Josh Jacobs' level. But it was what your second point was, which I was 100% agree with. I'd rather just wait on that discount with those guys than to take Jacobs where you have to take Jacobs in the third round.
0: Damian Harris has started to become more and more interesting to me as the season goes along. However, I, I can't figure out if he's better off with Cam or Mac Jones at quarterback because I feel like his touchdown ceiling is far dropped if Cam is the quarterback, but his rushing yards will go way up if Cam is the quarterback.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think it's all set, and I think you just put out why is yes you're gonna have one go up while the other goes down. This was the one I was alluding to before, where coaches change. We've we known about Bill Jack for the longest time. He's annoying as hell. Bill Belichick has a cluster of a backfield where you mentioned it for the longest time. Is all you do is just draft James White because that's you don't know, why I worry about the other guys. Then you have your infrequent seasons where it's, okay, you got LeGarrette Blunt for dirt cheap nothing, and all of a sudden he runs for 18 touchdowns. But nobody was planning on that, and that was kind of flukish in its own right because the rushing you – know, it was – an absurd rushing efficiency. The rushing yards don't even offset what those rushing touchdowns were. So I say all that to say, Damien Harris is something he hasn't had in a while. You have to go back to, uh, I was trying to remember another show yesterday and somebody finally found the name while we were searching. There's Robert Edwards. I said, the guy who blew out his knee on the sand, Robert Edwards, Lawrence Maroney. Those were the days where Corey Dillon, where you actually had somebody in the Damien Harris, where he doesn't telegraph what you're planning. They don't always pass when James White's on the field, but it's the majority of the time they don't, always run when Sony Michelle is on the field, but they do the majority of the time. If you can just disguise the defense and the defense just doesn't have to limit their play opportunities of what they're going to put out to stop just a little bit. It's advantage offense. It's advantage Damian Harris and what he can bring to this offense. So I agree with you up, down, offsets, but I have Damian Harris higher than RB 33. I can tell you that much. Damian Harris is RB 27 for me. I would take him around... Etienne and javante williams and michael carter i think that's the range of those similar type of running back upsides i see ah,
0: i have at running back number 28 the one issue with him and maybe if he sees the field more then this will become more of a factor and this is where mac jones could actually help him is i don't think that when you don't have christian mccaffrey in the backfield cam's not really the check down king thrown to running backs
1: <laughs> he does throw more than people realize but yes it's not It's nowhere near if it's not Christian
0: McCaffrey. Yeah, so I'd really, like, I have him as an 8% target share out of the backfield. Like, if he could just be better than Chubb and Josh Jacobs out of the backfield in terms of receiving, like, consistency week to week, you could give him, like, three targets a game. Just having those two easy catches really goes a long way to stabilizing his floor. But this could be touchdown central. Like, do you believe in any of the other... New England running backs because it seems like Sonny Michelle's treading on thin ice here with actually being on this team and then yeah. Stevenson would really be the one to worry about as it pertains to Damian Harris like James White's James White you just going to do James White things that's not really similar to what Harris does or what Stevenson does at least in my mind
1: no Stevenson is a lot like Garrett Blunt, but he got put on the pup which actually makes Sonny Michelle more likely to make this team and I actually thought Sonny Michelle was a potential cut casualty so uh you know whether or not Michelle still makes the team, you know, maybe Stevenson helps and Stevenson's just not even ready for this year. And if all teams, and you talk about any of them that you miss a lot of the preseason and then you don't even get an opportunity because of it. Uh, okay. Damien Harris. Oh, well that happened to him with, with Bill Belichick. So I say that to say Sonny Michelle might have a way to still stay on this team, but I wouldn't be concerned about him at this point. Sonny Michelle even coming out of college was, had some similarities to like Garrett Blunt, just a heavy runner that, you know, doesn't do anything in the passing game. And actually being the heavy-legged runner is what got him these injuries and those knee problems, as Emery pointed out to me when he was being drafted. Um, so, yeah, I, I to answer your question, I don't really have much of a concern for Sonny Michel. I think Damien Harris has the most clear upside. And people all just so quickly love to forget things they were saying about players. When Damien Harris came out of college, it was, oh, my God, could he have just landed in a better spot because look at how talented he is. And then he gets stuck, you know, injuries all to a slow start. And people just want to throw them away.
0: Last tier that we're going to cover today, and we'll go more on this on the Fantasy Football Picks and Bet Show up on Mayo Media Network. Subscribe now for more chats between Jake and I. And really this is a handcuff range, a backup range, but it just goes Gus Edwards, Trey Sermon, Kenny and Drake, AJ Dillon, James Robinson, Melvin Gordon, Tony Pollard, James Connor, Zach Moss. Alexander Madison, Jamal Williams, and Leonard Fournette. That's sort of the next little tier. Maybe even too high for Fournette, because I've kind of staked in that. Not that I want Ronald Jones. I just think that Ronald Jones is going to be better than Leonard Fournette. The one name I want to break down here before we get out, though, is Trey Sermon. Because everyone's just like, Hmm. I think they're enamored with him being a rookie, the potential of San Francisco running the ball so much, the easy schedule at the beginning of the season. And they really haven't done gone back and done a deep dive to see how Kyle Shanahan has treated rookie running backs over the course of his career. Like, I think you'd be crazy to draft Sermon over Mostert right now. And that's how people are drafting.
1: Yeah. So there's a couple things that come into play here. Um, I had since the draft, you know, this been one of the biggest Trey Sermon supporters and then like, If you look at this backfield, he is the most talented running back, in my opinion. Just top to bottom. I 100% also agree with you, is that even though he is the most talented, even though I think he could push for the lead, and I'm not even getting to Shanahan yet, which I agree with, by the way, is if he pushes for the lead, it's still the San Francisco backfield where now, yes, this is like the Patriots situation, and it's not a different situation because they still have mostert they still brought in wayne gallman even if he gets cut they still use use chick at tut this is an offense that really isn't going to change because it's not like a damian harris versus a lot of injuries and a lot of one-dimensional players this is a lot of multi-dimensional running backs and a lot of talent in this backfield where they let talent go just to clear things up um i think that i'm with you in the fact that trey sermon has a lot of upside or just with people in general i love trey sermon and this opportunity but i still have mostert Eight spots in front of him because if Mostert is healthy, he is the guy from day one. And that's the Shanahan factor of you need to prove yourself. And if you're even on the same playing field as the guy, as the incumbent, I'm going the incumbent until you prove you are significantly better than the incumbent. And then to go back to my first point, even if he is, Mostert's not going to die and go away. Wayne Gallman's not going to be never involved. Like there's still a best case scenario. Let's say Sermon had the job it's probably still 50% with their other four options splitting up the other 50% themselves. I think
0: that is the key point to him being overdrafted right now, because even if Monster goes down before the season with a season ending injury, it's not like, Oh, 90% of the touches go to Trey Sermon. That's not just (laughs) not going to happen. So unlike guys like Latavius Murray or Tony Pollard or AJ Dillon, even for that matter, that, Where if the starter gets hurt ahead of them, you pencil them in for, oh, my God, now they're going up to, you know, playing 75% of the snaps, 80% of the snaps. They're just always on the field. They're going to monopolize the goal line. That's just not going to happen.
1: No, and I, hell, I didn't even bring up Elijah Mitchell, who, if on the team, is arguably the best pass catcher of all of them. So, you know, again, it's just, this is... Kyle Shanahan, it's good and bad. Kyle Shanahan turns every running back he touches into gold. That's the only that's the only reason we even know who the hell Jeff Wilson is. Jeff Wilson wouldn't be a factor on 29 other teams. But Kyle Shanahan is that good at turning running backs good. Uh, but, you know, it's just too many options that he likes to use, and he makes them all good. So it's a good and a bad thing at the same time. As You know you're going to get the best out of any running back that he uses, but at the same time, he's just not going to lean on somebody Hell, you, you, you threw out the number. kind of a joke. He's just—he's not even going to go to somebody seventy percent of the time unless he was finally down to two options in Yushchak. Like if it was down to Trey Sermon, Elijah Mitchell, and Yushchak, and everybody else was hurt or off the team, okay. Now, now we're talking about top fifteen running back. Clearly, potentially even top ten running back. But I just—we—we we rarely ever get to that. And even when we have, it's been only about a week or two until he found somebody else.
0: In the biggest X factor with all of this, that if Trey Lance ends up starting at quarterback at some point, he's going to not necessarily monopolize a lot of that rushing share, but he's definitely going to eat into an already thin market share of these running backs anyway.
1: <laughs> oh, you mean the next Josh Allen? Yeah, yeah. of course. <laughs> he's yeah. I mean, at least that's the one thing we can definitely count. He's going to be like Josh Allen when he starts. So the passing the is a big question mark, but he'll be in that facet. He will be.
0: Yeah, I actually put in just to kind of fuck around with the projections a little bit. I put him in as if he was the starter from day one and how that would affect everything. And I gave him an mm-hmm. 18% market share. Um, and he would end up as quarterback 12. I think that's pretty conservative wow. based on some of like, the other numbers that I have in terms of like average depth of target and how many yards per carry he's actually going to rush for and how many touchdowns he throws. So I, it's... If Trey Lance starts from day one, I think you want to have him on your fantasy team.
1: Mm, I, I still don't know that. I don't want to say we want him. I think that's still even a little high just because if he is, let's say he is the next Josh Allen. Let's remember how bad Josh Allen was throwing the ball.
0: Sure. But Josh Allen, I, I still think in his rookie year was like quarterback ten. I don't think he was that high. I think I he was. Let me, let me
1: pull it up. Because Did I he let, start let, right let away? This is...
0: Did Josh Allen start right away?
1: I don't think he started the full season.
0: So if we look I'm at him check. on a per game, I feel like he was... That's what I was going to say, just points the, per game. Just the rushing was so good. Like, I, I no, would, he I'll, was
1: Q, QB 18 on points per game with Phillip Rivers at
0: 17.2. 17.2. I, I'd be curious to see if there was a split between his like first set of games and then second set of games that year.
1: Well, his third game, he had 27.7
0: points. Oh, that and was, the, was went, that the Minnesota game?
1: Yeah, that was a good memory. And then he went 1.9, 9.2, 5.4. If you want to take week, 12 through the end of the season 26 26 18 20, 12 finishing at new england uh if you include week 17 he put up 40 on miami in the week 17 game
0: <laughs> so he got better as the season went along fantasy wise as a rookie
1: sure but again even so like even that second half okay now you get now you probably to your point get him about qb 10 or 12 somewhere around there i wouldn't say you wanted him there for the entire season
0: no, I think if you draft Trey Lance and you know he's the day one starter, you're that nuts. news comes out. I don't think you want to be like, oh, this is the one quarterback that I'm rolling with, but he's still going late enough that I think he would be a valuable piece to see kind of how he matures, understands the system, and what he starts doing fantasy-wise. Because if he's running like 15 times a game, you're going to want him.
1: Well, here's the question I have for you. Like, and We're talking running backs today, but just you threw out the question kind of in my mind, I should say. You planted the question in my mind. If you're drafting today... Do you even take Lance as your last pick to stash him? Because, you know, he's essentially a multi-week stash, because even if he's the week one starter, you're not going to be able to use him until he gets rolling at best case scenario. What, week four, five, six, somewhere around there?
0: I, I think it depends on your league, to tell you the truth. How many bench spots, how much of a premium is placed on quarterbacks? Because in a one quarterback league, he's someone that I would want to eventually scoop up. Uh, if I knew that he was becoming the starter. But yeah, day one, I think he'd be worth a bench stash rather than... I know you can make the argument of how you want to construct your team, but if I had, let's say, Jalen Hurts or something like that, uh, maybe I would put him on the back end of my bench. Or if I had someone like Matt Ryan, I was like, well, Trey Lance probably has more upside than someone like Matt Ryan, but Matt Ryan's someone I know that I can play every week. Matt Staff, well, and Tom Brady, that kind of guy. But if I'm just shooting for the course. moon when it comes to like my quarterback position, someone like Trey Lance, someone like Justin Fields, like those guys would be the ones that I'd go out and target.
1: And I completely agree for you, that roster construction. The reason I asked the question is because this quarterback didn't go and I would take him every single time versus stashing Trey Lance because he could be not only the week one starter, but the starter for the entire year. And also, Oh wait, he finishes a top five quarterback with 30 interceptions. If you know where I'm going, I take Jameis Winston before I thought about Trey Lance. And yet I would say eight out of the 10 drafts I've been in Trey Lance goes before Jameis Winston.
0: I think I would take Trey Lance over Jameis. And the reason being yeah, is that I that. think that Taysom Hill is going to play enough of a factor that in I, I just don't want Taysom Hill coming in near the goal line and stealing touchdowns away from Jameis. I just don't want to see it happen. That would just fucking kill me.
1: <laughs> I think that would also kill the Saints. I I, I hope I hope I hope I'm right. Hey, yeah, they took the ball out of Drew
0: Brees' hands. You don't think they're going to hesitate?
1: Drew Brees took the ball out of Drew Brees' hands. Drew Drew Brees' arm wasn't didn't deserve to have the ball in his hands at that point. Drew Brees was living off being Drew Brees at that point.
0: But they—they the Saints did it the last two seasons. Like I just think that they are so. And his
1: his arm has been toast.
0: <laughs> sure, but Sean Payton loves Taysom Hill. He's going to find a way to work him in. I don't doing disagree there. Something, and if it is goal line, <laughs> like and not I would say every goal line snap's going to Taysom Hill. But if we run three plays from the four yard line and then on third down, if it's not a touchdown, Taysom Hills in like that's a huge equity hit to the fantasy points of Jameis Winston.
1: Sure. I, I like this. I just I'm I'm hoping that like things aren't that. What are we going to do? The Steve Spurrier offense. We're going to rotate quarterbacks in the NFL. Just it just seems it's so nonsensical. But I'm not saying I'm not saying it's a zero possibility.
0: All right, Jake Sealy, follow him at at all in kid on Twitter. Check him out at theathletic.com and on fantasy football picks and bets on Mayo Media Network. You should tell people that you have a new show coming out.
1: Yes, starting to well. I was going to say tomorrow, but it depends on when you watch this. So what is tomorrow's date? Uh, July 28th This is the launch edition with your good friend and mine, Chris Meany. I'm having Chris Meany on, Stephanie Smalls, and Jeff Ratcliffe because they're going to be on three shows, one each day. Meany's on Monday, Stephanie's Tuesdays, and Ratcliffe Wednesdays starting next week. But the launch show with all three of them together is tomorrow on Bet's TV. It is the all-in football show. Yeah,
0: Bets TV on YouTube. If you want to check out Jake's brand new show, I'm very happy for you. I'm excited for this.
1: Thank you. Yeah, I, I appreciate the conversations we had on the side about these things.
0: Yeah, of course. And it doesn't mean that Jake is not going to appear on the Pat Mayo experience every week, breaking down my rankings. Oh, darn. But, but now I know you couldn't get out of that one. But now you have a <laughs> full spot for him to unleash everything video wise that you can see. So go over to bets.tv or TV on YouTube and check that out. Also, join RunTheSims.com. Jake, what, what, what would you prefer they put in? Code Mayo or code what?
1: Mm, code oh for, yeah, I would say put in code ranks code ranks that's what we always talk
0: yes yeah, so runthesims.com uh, ranks runthesims.com/ranks or code ranks will get you a discount and if you sign up before August 1st on all the stats all the tools no one's giving you advice on the site they're customizable tools and projections that you control the inputs to if you want to to make life easier on yourself if you're someone who values research and doing your own research then runthesims.com is where you want to be get on that founder's rate before August august 1st when the prices go up lock in that rate for life i can huh? testify you can test oh you testify right
1: I testify do <laughs> so you been enjoying it <laughs> i just raised the roof yeah i have been it's fun to play with and yeah like i've played with yours versus playing with mine and kind of going back and forth between the two but just enjoy I'm a, i am i'll tell you 100 i'm gonna be using it for dfs this year
0: yeah yeah well, i mean that optimizer it comes preloaded, and then you can tweak it around the big thing that's not released yet is the game simulations that's going to be so huge, especially like even for season-long fantasy. Like, oh, do I want to start this guy or this guy? Well, let me run each of these games a 10,000 times and see what the median outcome is. Or maybe I'm down by 20 points and I need to see who has the most upside. How often do they get to their ceiling? Oh, it's 8% of the time for this guy versus 2% for this guy. Well, I mean, that's four times as often that they get to 23 fantasy points or something. Like just having that empirical data and running simulations that you get to program about how you think this game is going to go I just think that stuff is super valuable for one thing in making good decisions, but it also puts the onus on you that like, hey, I'm not just (sighs) subscribing to Pat's site and Pat's telling me what to do. No one would fucking want that. But the fact that you can control everything and just kind of guide the system to how you think the game is going to go, A, I think that's fun for one thing, and it's the only place that really gives you control over those things.
1: Well, that's why I laughed is because, well, now who they have to blame if they can't blame you and me?
0: you got to blame yourself. That's going to be tough because we've provided the tools to make allow you to make the best decisions for yourself. And frankly, after doing this for over a decade now, that's really all people want.
1: And that's really what it is. Yeah, they want to play with them. Like I said, I, you know, I did the customizable cheat sheet for the athletic, and that's the biggest thing is they just want to be like, yeah, you're dumb. This is what I'm putting in. Ha ha. Yes, yeah. that's what they want. But that's that you know, everybody's super knowledgeable these days because there's just a wealth of information out there. So if you think you have an edge that you don't want to tell anybody else, put it
0: in. All right. At Owen Kid at the PME for me, you can check out the top 150 list and show in the description. You can find the running back rankings up on DKPlaybook.com and check out fantasy football picks and bets with Jake and myself going over the handcuff ranking some of our favorite season long yardage props. Over there as well. Thank you all for watching. Smash the like on the way out, and I'll see you next time.